The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and anybody else of any other gender out there. Well, you know, there's 156 genders now. <laughs> I know. I, I'm thinking about just changing mine just to see if I can find something unusual. <laughs> I want to be... <laughs> I want to be a, a non-binary unicorn. <laughs> I mean, I think that's one of the 100. That might be 154. Oh, okay. That's that's a, later on. Did you hear about the guy who his uh, his motorcycle identified as a bicycle, and he was winning all the, the European all the bike European races? races? <laughs> Tour de France? Yeah. Man, that's spectacular. I'm going to enter my... <clears throat> Motorcycle identifying as a bicycle. In I, it's, cr- it's like the what the 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 dude who was swimming as a woman who beat the other woman. It's right, like, he's yeah. a dude. Well, you I know they found they found he was using performance enhancing testicles. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me let me let, let me put this in terms that everybody will understand. Now, granted, they're small, but <laughs> uh, right. Let me let me look. <clears throat> this is how you know if he is a that he is a boy, indeed a male. You could put him in front of a piano, and you could put a female in front of a piano, and if they both put their hands in the air, but yet one of them will still be able to hit the key. <laughs> it ain't the girl. <laughs> I tried to keep that as clean as I could. <laughs> I understand, though. Yes, you know, there's that video Zelensky when yeah, he was a comic. He was actually a comic and actually did that bit. Yeah, with a whole bunch of guys. Yeah. That was hysterical. He got behind, for those of you who don't know, Zelensky got behind a piano. No, no. His... It was a table with like six oh, other guys, right, right, like right. six or eight other guys behind him, and they're playing jingle bells. Then they moved oh, the table out of the he, way, yeah. and the bells were built into their shorts, and they were shaking them to yeah. try and play. He also, he also did a bit where he stood the behind piano? the piano, dropped his pants. So you could see that he dropped his pants, but you couldn't see what he was playing. Right, because it was, you know, family and, and, TV. And then he pretended to play the piano with his. You know, remember his uh, girl parts. His, uh, <laughs> his so-called girl parts. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, but I thought that was great. So you can identify as anything you want, I guess, and just do whatever you want. Yeah. It's just so, it's so silly. You know, my I have a couple of guns, and they all identify as uh, as cordless hole punchers. Absolutely. And I need different Absolutely. hole punchers even, for different sizes. Even holes. the ones I lost in the boat ac- boating accident. Yeah, they were they, cordless they hole were, punchers. They were cordless hole punchers. And I'm sure everybody's heard that no. joke before, but you know, hey. probably. But it's never hurts to repeat it. <clears throat> yeah, remember boating accidents, cordless hole punchers. That's all you need to know. Oh my goodness! But now you know it's funny because some of these places, I mean, some cities in the U.S. or some states, they want to restrict your constitutionally guaranteed right to be able to keep and bear arms. Like in Illinois, you need a firearm owner's identification card. Just to be able to purchase a gun, yeah, any kind of gun. Do you need a permit to express freedom of speech? Apparently, in Chicago, that may be next on the agenda. It probably is. But apparently, there was a case pending, and it's been the Illinois versus Vivian Claudine Brown has been in the state court system for several years now. And today's decision came out that the judge has ruled that Brown's possession of a bolt-action rifle shouldn't have been a crime, even though she didn't possess a valid Ford card. Firearms owner's ID card. So this, I mean, he's saying, because the right is there. It's not like you should have to purchase a permit to exercise your right. Could you imagine if they made you purchase a permit to vote? Exactly. How would people feel about that, I wonder? You don't even have a constitutional right to vote. Right. But what if they charged you to vote? 
Hey, look, I've said it before. <clears throat> voting should hurt. should be painful. You yeah, especially to, to people who... You should have to earn your vote by the taxes you pay. <laughs> yeah. Or at least <laughs> to, by... To an extent. I you know, I know, they, you know people don't have... Not everybody has an income, but... but, but the, yeah, Warren Buffett wouldn't be able to vote. You, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but you have a great point there, Roger. I, find me... And this is... Any judge, some judge in that courtroom, at some point should have stood up and said... What show me or name me another bill of right, another amendment that we must have a permit to exercise? Another spelled a, a out God constitutional given, right, a God given yes. constitutional <clears throat> right. Name one where you need a permit to exercise, a permit given by the government that is restricted by the Constitution. Right. It's it's I mean, it completely, completely no ridiculous. And, uh, it's, it's and and uh, you know. Illegal doesn't even begin to describe it how really crooked doesn't. and, and it really backwards doesn't. that is. The the view, the way they treat the Second Amendment, and the way we allow because of emotions and because of uh, it's for the children exactly because of the ridiculous emotional arguments and and the oh everybody will have a gun and die because of those ridiculous nonsensical arguments we allow the government to restrict a God given right in the Constitution. Right. I mean, it's, it's really spelled out. Yeah. We completely really spelled out. It's those, concise. Yeah. It's clear. It's the shortest of yeah. the Ten Amendments. That's. This is why I support <clears throat> the twenty. I believe twenty-three states already have done away with cur- uh, permit carrying. Right. And uh, Georgia is about to become the twenty-fourth. And now, I support it one hundred percent. No, I, I don't have any problem with that. But I still agree. If you want to get a permit, you should be able to have one. Just to be able to purchase without having to undergo a separate I don't background think check. Purchasing is going to have a problem. You're going to be able to walk on, and they're going to be able to see you in the system. They're going to say, "Oh, you've got." I, I, no, we'll no, no. See how this works in most states now. But, if you have a permit, that counts as your background check, and they don't have to perform an instant check on you. Well, that's true, but I, I'll take an instant check. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm over, not gonna. Yeah, I'm not over gonna getting be, the permit. Yeah, it's a tax. It's a tax on you trying to observe observe your. God-given constitutional right, and I just don't think. I mean, it, we've gotten so conditioned to accepting to it. To accept it, and, it's and ridiculous. I'm sorry, I would rather go through an instant background check than uh, than to do to be forced to have. A well, permit. even the instant background check it. has expenses involved. In now, it. if you want to so. say this, if you want to do this, if you want to say, hey, we can create a non-taxable. The fee goes to something else. If you want a permit, if you want to pay for a background check that gives you a card that says, I have been background checked, I can buy without having a, a, another check done and have that every five years, right. that's fine. But I don't want it called a gun permit. I don't want it to be tax money going to the government. You could Purchase say, background check yeah, card. Yeah, something like that. That, yeah, that, that would be fine, fine too. That's yeah. fine because then it's my choice if I want to make life and you easier can still for carry a gun. pay the money. Still carry one without a permit if right, you want to. Right, right. We, yeah, I love this idea that constitutional carry. Yeah, because it's the way it should be. The whole it, country. It's funny, be but it's a reciprocity will soon become a thing of the past if enough states validate right, enough states constitutional right. carry. Yeah. It's going to be like okay, there'll be a few holdouts, yeah. of course. Because from from my understanding, right now, every every state that Georgia has mm. reciprocity with reciprocity with uh, <laughs> will still honor it. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Even though they're going to uh, to carry to yep. carryless permits, you know, just constitutional carry. Yeah, and that's another thing too. There are some states that do not have constitutional carry, constitutional carry, but have reciprocity with right, Georgia. Right, exactly. So if you have the permit, it allows you to carry in those states also, even though they don't honor exactly. constitutional right. carry. So you know, right. there are some advantages to yeah. having a permit if you but, travel a lot. But we need to move or if you purchase to get a lot. It, yeah, we need to move to get away with. We need we need those. What now? Here's the thing: Kemp could do. 
Kemp, if you want my continued support, <laughs> you, need, you need to bribe you, me with this. Well, yes, you need to bribe <laughs> me with this. <laughs> you need to be hitting up the other governors of any <clears throat> state that doesn't have constitutional carry and say, hey, you're going to honor Georgia anyway. You're not going to require our, – our citizens don't have to have a permit. You're not going to – we're going to have re, – re, Reciprocity. Reciprocity. <laughs> and we're going to have that, and you're going to honor it. You know, Kemp can do that. He can call yeah. up these governors, and he can work something out. Let's hope he has the gonads to do it. Yeah, well, right now he's got so many other things he's working on. This is just one well, small true, thing. True, but, so. hey, he's pushing for this, and he's going to says he's going to sign it. So he should be – Hopefully they'll know, get look, it passed. That'll be interesting. He's got staff. They can call these other That's governors. right. He has people who work for him. He's got people. I got people. I got people. Let me let, me let well, you, my people talk to your people. He, he won't really say, I got people. I know a guy. I'm going to have a guy call you. He's going to be more like, well, I got this guy that's going to call your guy. And, you know, he's a little bit uh – Yep. The, uh, he used to work in a place in the southern Georgia. We'd get this computer program in, and uh, I'd, this guy would look at it and go, I don't know what to do with this. He goes, wait a minute. Let's call them up. Let's get our computer geek to talk to their, their computer, computer geek and let them work it out. <laughs> it's like someone was telling me a good joke the other day. I said, why don't Italians like Jehovah's Witnesses? Because Italians don't like any witnesses. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> so, you know, Man, if Kemp could just get his people to talk to the, hey, you, yeah, let's hey, talk. You. Hey, let's talk. Let's it. talk here. You know, let's Kemp, get this settled. Kemp needs to hire the uh, Locked and Loaded show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll yeah, sure. happy to go talk to the other guy. You, Look, you're you, done. You're done. <laughs> this whole no, no, permit business, no, you're no, done. No, you're done. No, no more permits. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, it seems to be a wave crossing the nation now. It, it seems really to be a is. lot it's, of states are going that way. It's picking up steam, and we, we are we are at about at half. But you know there's going to be holdouts. Of course Let's figure will. out. Who, okay. Every blue state. <laughs> Illinois. Illinois, California. New York. New York, New Jersey. Jersey Connecticut. Uh, yeah, no it's doubt. Probably, but at least we're going to get to the point where probably, over half the states. Probably Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Washington, Hawaii. Oregon. Oh, yeah. Trying to figure out how many but, there actually are. So maybe 10 states. But we're getting to the point where over half of the yeah. states. And if we get to two-thirds, we'll then maybe you know we can push it a little harder. And that would be nice. Could you imagine if they passed a national reciprocity with any state to any state? Well, what you're oh. calling for, Roger, is a constitutional... Uh, Oh, what do we call Restriction. it? Restriction. A constitutional convention. Yeah, I don't where, know if I want to go that far because that, that could lead to a huge mess. It could, unless it could, it's done right. It can be done right. I mean, you could go the wrong way. To do it. it could go the wrong <laughs> way, but if it's done the right way, which, you know, we the people would have to force it to go the right way. I mean, I'm just saying, if you had two-thirds of the states and two-thirds of the representatives saying, okay, we're going to pass a thing where any state... That allows constitutional carry. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Will have to be honored by any other state in the nation if they want to continue to get tax money for right. conservation or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, even if it made it, if it ever it did make it to a constitutional convention, I'd be okay with it because we would, we would, like I said, you got to have active people, and it wouldn't get there unless we did. But we would put the constitutional carry in, and we would put the fair tax. Hits that wagon right up to that. Absolutely. Those wagons go together. They go together like, uh, I don't know. Peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter and jelly. There you go. Milk and cookies. Milk and cookies. There you go. Bread and cookies. What the hell are you eating? <laughs> but yeah, that'd be great. You know, have constitutional carry and the fair tax. Oh my God! Yeah, you'd save so much money. You'd be able to buy so many more guns. It'd be awesome. Think, think about it. Just those two laws, those two amendments to the Constitution would uh, would would 
would secure more freedom for the people of this country than any any it's, that's it's the revolution yeah. itself. Well, that's probably why the fair tax will never pass. Exactly. Because the the too, too much politicians taken away from politicians. Politicians don't want to give up that kind no. of power they have now. Oh, we'll give you tax breaks for ten years if you I mean, come to our country. It's like, come on, what? They're not in business yeah. to promote I, business. Think about it. You've got Kamala Harris, the dumbest VP ever. Who can hold that kind of power only because of the way our system is? Oh, God. I mean, <laughs> she should uh. never, never. This woman shouldn't be anywhere near VP, let alone anything else. Well, considering who the president is, people. considering who the president is. <laughs> you know, I have a new theory. You know, Biden and everybody knows that he picked Kamala because of her skin color. But I'm wondering if Jill Biden was behind Kamala because that was their protection against the 25th Amendment. Well, that was their pre- <laughs> yeah, that was their protection against the uh, Democrats and Republicans invoking the 25th Amendment against Biden. Because nobody, and I mean nobody, wants Kamala Harris to ever, ever be, be sitting in the seat behind the Oval Office desk. <laughs> oh my God! Oh, uh, and that sends shivers up my spine. Oh, oh my no! I mean nobody. Did I mention nobody? nobody? <laughs> Negative. <laughs> Zip, zilch, I mean, zero. Find a Democrat that wants Kamala. Yeah, <laughs> nobody. Nobody. <laughs> wow. I mean, they will. They, what is it? Well, she say? was polling at two percent when she was running for president. Two percent. Two percent. Not even. Not even two percent. She didn't even make it to the first primary. I know. She's that bad. And and look on display. And now she's what, a VP. Did you hear? Oh. Did you hear what she was saying yesterday? I did not. Roger, Fill us she, in, Victor. She got in front of some people, and this is what it sounded like. I'm here. To, um, well, you know, there's this thing, the, the, the significance of, and oh um, gosh, what was, it? and it um, was the significance <laughs> of, oh, I'm gonna find it real quick. She got, she actually got in front of some people, and she basically repeated herself over and over and over, which is what somebody does when they don't know anything. The time. She got on this show. So I'm here, and we're going to talk about the significance of the passage of time because the significance of the passage of time is something of real great importance because the significance of passage of time is just time. And when that time passes, and for kids, the significance of passage of time, I kid you not, that is what she said. Sounds like a speech right out of the movie Idiocracy. Idiocracy, yeah. What do plants crave? Oh, they crave electrolytes. Well, how do you know? Because electrolytes are good for plants. How do you know? Because plants because crave them. Plants crave them. Totally circular argument that he was realizing. Well, what if we just try this anyway? But why? But why? <laughs> that is come up. Oh gosh. She must have said the the significance of the passage of time. She learned a new word. <laughs> she learned a new phrase, and that phrase is what she repeated. I, I bet ten times. <clears throat> uh, so there was no substance. There was no nothing made sense. But when you are as incompetent as she is on the world stage, you have to try and bluff it. And she can't even bluff well. Oh, my gosh. Okay, we've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back after these quick messages. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Veteran-owned, America's Web Radio would like to thank all of our incredible patrons. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you are not already a patron, you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the Internet by becoming a patron. Patrons of America's Web Radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes. Join now and receive a free gift while supplies last. For more information and to join our family, please visit 
www.patreon.com slash America's Web Radio. If you have questions, contact us at gm at americaswebradio.com. And as always, thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. The views, opinions, and content of the show's hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome back. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Right before we left for the break, we were talking about vice presidents, presidents, lack of communication. But anyway, I'm going to jump back into this uh, FOID thing, which is the Firearms Owners Identification, which is a card that Illinois, the whole state, requires somebody to have a card before exercising a constitutional right. Now, it's not expensive. I think it's $10. But this even applies if you keep this gun in your home. So you can't even have a gun in your house. Not carry it, not carry it in your car. You can't even have a gun in your home unless you have this card to show that you can own a firearm. And it's not just pistols. This person had a bolt-action rifle in their home, I guess, I would I'd imagine there's some sort of hunter, and they had a deer rifle in their gun, and they did not have their firearms owner's identification. And that is just, it's, it is so wrong to even think that the government can charge you a tax on a right that you are constitutionally guaranteed. And unfortunately, though, the judge realized <clears throat> it simply cannot be the case that a citizen must pay a fee in order to exercise a core individual Second Amendment right within their own home. So he clearly stated this is obviously wrong. It shouldn't be done. It can't be done. So he ruled against it and said it was illegal. So we're going to see. Hopefully that'll hold, but I'm sure knowing governments the way I do, they're certainly going to try to appeal this decision and still get their $10 to have your FOID card. Now, you, from what I understand, you also need a card to buy ammunition, too. Now, ammunition is not protected by the Constitution specifically. <coughs> However, a gun without ammo is just a club. So you have to remember that. The fact that they're trying this backdoor gun control on uh, in Illinois is completely ridiculous. But hopefully this will be a sign of things to come. People will realize that this is a right they have. This is not a privilege. This is not a driver's license. This is the right to keep and bear arms, specifically spelled out word for word in the Constitution. And this judge has decided there's no way you should have to pay for your right. You know, the way uh, Illinois works, everything um, does so well there. Just take (laughs) Chicago, for example. (laughs) Yeah, more gun control than anywhere in the country, and yet they have some of the highest crime rates in the country. In fact, there was once a statistic done where they take the United States in general overall with gun violence and rank them on the worldwide scale. And if they take out, like, I think five or six cities out of the mix, then it drops us down like 40 points as far as gun gun violence goes, or 30 points. It's some huge difference that those five or six cities account for in gun violence in the United States. And most of them, most of them, believe it or not, are liberal cities with extreme measures of gun control. 
And Democratic. Probably so. Yes, mayor. exactly. More liberally run. But it's just, uh, it's it's heart disheartening to hear that they're trying to charge you to exercise a constitutional right. And I almost wish they would try and do that <clears throat> with some other right. Even though there's no right to vote spelled out in the Constitution, everybody thinks it's there. Now, can you imagine getting charged to vote? Oh, yeah, it's just $10. I, I, I think it's called a poll tax. Yeah, and that's illegal. But why isn't a tax against the Second Amendment illegal? It is illegal. It clearly says you can't do it, but they're doing it anyway, and they're getting away with it. I would just like to transpose that into another area just so people can see how ridiculous it is. A poll tax. Can you imagine if they charge you $10 to vote? And say, well, it's just to maintain the machines and to set up everything and to hire the people to to run the election. It's not really a tax. It's just, you know, a contribution. And make sure that we've got enough signatures of dead people to... uh, (laughs) To make it work, yes. (laughs) Although if they did that, I guess, you know, it almost would open up the floodgates for people buying their way into votes. Because, you know, the government, if they're getting the $10 per person, they don't care who votes as long as they're getting paid. <laughs> you know, they would just accept that and go, oh, yeah, as long as you got your card, you can come and vote. <clears throat> you might even be able to get several cards, go vote several places, have sure. different addresses. Oh, it would be awesome. As long as you pay your, t- your tax, you'd be good to go. But, uh, you know, and people wonder about, you know, who should carry a gun. Oh, my God, only the police should have them. Well, you know what? A cop is pretty heavy to carry around with you all the time, so you might want to take up some responsibility for yourself here and protect your own family, your own property, your own body with your own gun, especially when the anti-police rhetoric is so strong right now. People are going all against the cops everywhere. And one area that has decided to do this is real estate agents. Now, you think about a real estate agent, a lot of times you see an open house, bunches of people around, but what about that last bit of the afternoon during their open house like they're there till five the guy walks in at 4 30 nobody else is there she's already cleaning up stuff or he's already cleaning up stuff it's a perfect opportunity for a stranger to come in and commit some heinous act of crime so and it's been done many times yes it has it's not it's not an isolated incident so there's a firearms trainer who's going to bring education to realtors in the way of a gun safety class or gun training class. <clears throat> so they're going to try and train these realtors if they're interested in learning how to protect themselves, how to what it takes in that state to get a gun and carry a gun legally. You know, and it's just it's it's so good to think that these guys can get their concealed pistol license class at no charge. He's offering this training for free. Which is great. I mean, it shouldn't be charged for anyway to get a, a permit especially if they eliminate the permits with constitutional carry, but sometimes you have to. So, But this lady started this training company called Steel and Stilettos, obviously catering towards women who are in the real estate industry, but I would imagine anybody in the real estate industry could sign up for her classes. It doesn't say women only, but it would just be, you know, but women tend to be, okay, I don't want to say this and get bashed, but the weaker sex, although I know women who could kick my butt, without a doubt <laughs> so I'm not going to say always but majority of the time women are less able to defend themselves than men are so there you go but having a weapon makes that a much more well, let's just call it a more daunting task for someone to take advantage of them 
<laughs> when you're staring down the barrel of a gun and you're thinking, oh, I'm just going to attack this woman, yeah, all of a sudden things change. The balance of power quickly changes, goes the other way if the assailant is not armed as well. So, But being able to offer this class to realtors for free is probably a great idea. And it probably should – this may inspire other people to offer it in other areas. I'm trying to see where this was that this was done. But it was just – to me, it just sounds like a fantastic idea. I mean, people who are in – in situations or put themselves in situations with their that their job requires to be endangered, so to speak, or possibly endangered is a thing that you should definitely do. If you have a job where you are likely to run into somebody, and I would say this, although I don't know all the rules, I know some of these um, ride chair companies have rules against carrying a gun, but if you're picking up a stranger at 2 in the morning from the back door of a nightclub... I mean, you're just asking for possible trouble with that. Now, most people just want to ride home because they've been drinking too much. But there's always going to be the opportunist who's going to say, oh, my God, let's see if we can get in this, steal this guy's car, steal his wallet, do whatever. You know, set up a fake account on Uber or Lyft or one of the other rideshare companies, and let's see if we can commit some crimes while we're at it. Or just, you know, have, have people calling their Lyft or Ubers and then somebody else jumping out and jumping in the car and hijacking somebody. Boom, there you go. It's a high-risk area. Also, if you work in a in a, any kind of retail area or store late at night, you open yourselves up to more possibility for crime. So take advantage of any training you can find, even if it's not free. This happens to be free training, which is being offered, and uh, this is a great idea. But there are other places that will offer training at usually very reasonable prices. So always get into that and see what's going on with it, because if you can get free training in almost anything, it's always a good idea to, to do it. So hopefully the realtors in this city will be much better armed, much better able to defend themselves against these Let's call them parasites of society who want to come and not work for anything. So, But if you're a realtor, that's one thing you should probably do. It's kind of, kind of funny. Now, here's the listing. It says um, she put the flyer in her event. Here's the thing she's going to teach you. Okay, best practices for safety. Oh, her name is Amy Lucas, by the way. Amy Lucas will walk us through the best practices regarding safety protocol while walking our residential and commercial properties. This webinar is intended to bring safety and awareness practices to the forefront of property management while allowing them to understand how to avoid or react to a threatening situation. So this is just not about carrying guns. It's about what to look for, how to make yourself situationally aware, and how to prepare for the possibility of violence. I, I think we've mentioned this a number of times on your show. Uh, know your surroundings. Know what's around you. Situational you know? awareness. Situational yes. awareness. Absolutely. And, and you can turn just, it into a game. Just like your, <clears throat> just like your example of uh, it's closing down for the evening and there's still one guy left. Yeah. You know. And you don't know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> and before the other person or some other people leave, go up to them and say, may I help you, sir? Or, you know, we're getting we're ready to close. Yeah. yeah. Situational Get out. awareness. <laughs> yes. Yep. See, they have a list of learning objectives here. The first one is conflict avoidance. Don't go into somebody angry. Don't snap at them. Don't get them irritated. 
you know, because if you start a conflict, you know, it's it's more than likely going to escalate. Very people are just going to walk away after being berated or be told something. I mean, be nice. Like in Roadhouse, be nice. <laughs> Always be nice. How will we know not to? You won't. I'll tell you. So be cautious. Be nice. Be friendly. Until That's still it's, one of my favorite movies. I know. Patrick Swayze was awesome in that movie. I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> and so was Sam. Oh, he was the best. Yeah. yeah abs- oh, my God. But, okay, conflict avoidance. Don't get in a fight with somebody if they're getting a tour of your house. Avoid the fight. Avoid the conflict. A lot of times, if, you know, eye contact and a small, a short conversation about what we're closing up for the day, if you'd like some more information, I can get this to you right now, whatever. And most people just get what they need and walk away. But make contact with them. Make sure they see your face. Make sure you see their face so they know, oh, my God, I can be identified now. Don't wait for him to walk into a corner, cover his face up, put his sunglasses on and come after you. Make sure, make eye contact. I know a lot of people say you don't do that. But honestly, if you make eye contact, look at their, look them right in the face, that is going to present the idea that you can identify them. You know who they are, and you could point them out later. Now, granted, if they're mean to kill you, then there's not much you can do. Anyway, okay, so avoid conflict. That's number one. The second thing she's going to teach is understanding situational awareness. Now, this is something that takes on so many different meanings, so many different aspects of your life. You can do this anywhere you go. You get on a bus. You look around the bus. You size everybody up. You say, okay, well, there's a woman with a baby, probably not much of a threat. There's an old lady with a with a grocery cart thing, probably not much of a threat. You see a couple of youngsters maybe playing on their phones, you know, high school kids maybe. Mm. You have to decide. You're, you're going to make a judgment based on the way they're dressed, based on their attitude, based on whether they're laughing or smiling or playing with the phones, or whether they're looking around, sizing everybody up. You know, always look at everybody and decide who is going to be the most danger. Now, granted, you you would probably never have to act on this or rarely ever have to act on it, but it's good to practice. Look at people and size them up. Now, granted, you're making judgments on people without knowing them. And I know in this day and age you don't do that. But you know what? You're not making any kind of judgment that you're going to act on unless it becomes necessary. So look around, size people up, or figure out, you know, oh, that guy looks like he might have a gun under his jacket. Maybe he's a cop. Maybe he's a security guard. Maybe he's an armed citizen. But just look for those things. I do that when I get anywhere. I start looking around, and I try and figure out who's going to be the greatest danger. All right, we're going to be back right after this. We'll go over the rest of these uh, learning objectives for this real estate safety class. I'm Roger B., and this is Locked and Loaded. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at firearmliquidationservice at outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at firearmliquidationservice at outlook.com, or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. 
Do you love classic and special interest cars? If so, listen to our podcast every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on America's Web Radio. Or find us on your favorite podcast site, iTunes, Spotify, or any of the others out there. We'll talk about classic cars. We'll talk to car guys. We'll talk to clubs that are here at our facility here in Classic Auto Mall. And we'll also talk about Classic Auto Mall and how we can help you sell your classic or special interest car. So give us a listen every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Thanks. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You know, uh, Roger, if you don't mind me adding one other thing. Go right ahead. Along with the situational awareness. And that is if um, you know you're going to be coming in late um, from a situation, you're going to a mall, uh, meet friends, or whatever, whatever, whatever. Or even it can be in the afternoon late. But let somebody know where you're going mm. and your starting point, you know. If something yeah. were to happen, somebody does steal your car or leaves you in a parking lot or whatever the heck, if somebody else knows that they can give your give the police a starting point, that just helps them that much more. Right. So if something happens, they at least will, won't have to hunt down where you were. They'll know where exactly. you started from. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's good. I mean, I guess a lot of people don't think about that. But a lot of people, you know, families are different. You know, they have kids tell mom, mom and dad where they're going. Well, I don't know if they tell them truthfully all the time, but they tell them what they, what they want them to think they're going. Trust me, parents, your kids are not always going to the library. <laughs> but, yeah, husbands, wives, they keep track of each other, boyfriends, girlfriends. Yeah, the, you know, girlfriends and wives, they keep track of people better than anybody I know. They track down anybody better than any detective I've ever I've ever known. Not that I'm being chauvinistic. I'm just saying. There are things women are much better at than men. And uh, <laughs> they also don't necessarily like to tell you where they're going. That's right. But exactly. They want you to know. And you need to pay attention and not ignore them. It's like what his uh, girlfriend said. There's two things I uh, I don't do. One of them is I don't listen, and I can't remember the other one. <laughs> Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Situation awareness. That's probably one of the best things on this list because there are so many ways to practice that every day. Anywhere you go, you know, you walk into a restaurant, look around the place, know where the exits are, look around, see if anybody looks suspicious. I'm not saying it's going to amount to anything, but you know, it's just, it's a mental exercise to do this. Okay. Fourth, uh, third down on our list is fight or flight response. Now, this is something, too, where this this goes along with conflict avoidance. You know, if you see, you know, three or four guys come into the house late, about about to close up, and they're not looking around at the crown molding, they're not looking down at the floors, they're just kind of joking, playing around, not paying attention to anything, trying to find the free cookies or whatever, these guys don't look like potential buyers. They're not asking any questions about the house. They're just coming in to possibly cause trouble cause an issue. Now, at this point, even if you're armed, do you want to confront that many people and try and chase them out of the house, or would it be easier just to let them in, they walk to another room, you get out of the house, take a car, and go? Bring the police back, or tell them somebody's there, or have somebody else come back with you to understand what's going on and to see what's happening. You know, sometimes it's better just to walk away. Sometimes the best way to win a fight is not to be there. You know, there's nothing in that house that they could probably take or damage that would be worth your life so if there's any potential for uh, bodily damage always take the easiest fastest way out now granted if this is your house and it's your belongings in the house then 
there's a little different situation. If that's where your family lives, if that's all your stuff in there, that's a little different. If it's an empty house, though, there's nothing in it except the rental furniture for the staging, yeah, you can walk away from that and come back later. Or at least lock yourself in your car by the curb until these, uh, quote-unquote, potential buyers leave, <laughs> you know? And I'm sure most realtors, they can spot a potential buyer or someone who's just looking in an instant. They can usually tell whether you're serious or not right away. And they can probably tell the difference between any kind of buyer, serious or not, and somebody who's not a buyer who's looking to cause trouble. So be aware you can leave. That's not something you can't do. You can take off. You can leave. You can avoid the fight completely. Okay, the next one down on her list is body language. That's what we kind of just talked about with the fight or flight. You see people coming in a certain way with a certain attitude. You can tell by watching people to some extent what their intentions may be. People coming to look at a house or a piece of property are going to be looking for certain things. They're going to be looking at ceilings, walls, floors, accessories, bathrooms, kitchens. They're going to be looking at things that make that house something that they may want to purchase. If they're just in there not doing any of those things and kind of sizing you up and kind of looking around, yeah, I mean, they may just be casually looking or they may just be a neighbor from down the street, kind of want to see what the house looks like. But always be a little extra aware if you feel something is wrong. Your gut will usually not lie to you. It will tell you. If something's wrong, your body has a way of letting you know. You have instincts you are probably unaware of. So watch for body language. If you have to, get a book on body language. See what kind of body language would indicate a possible threat. Because that's not something that's that hard to do. People carry themselves a certain way when they're about to commit a crime or when they're thinking about committing a crime. You can usually tell because people have a certain way of holding themselves. The way they act, the way they glance around, the way they look at certain things, the way they avoid eye contact. All those things are signs. And then and the last thing down is safety tips. Yeah, they're going to give you certain things, which I guess go along with all these other four things she has up there, to kind of you know be aware of things, pay attention, don't do anything stupid, you know, don't don't lock yourself into a, a house when there's people in it, obviously. You know, even if you're getting ready to leave and you don't want anybody else coming in, you don't want to isolate yourself with the last people who are there. You know, unless you know them or know who they are, if they were clients who you dealt with before and you're showing them this house, that's different. But just be careful because that's always, you know, situationally aware, safety tips, body language, fight or flight. All these things make a difference when you're trying to protect yourself against criminal activity. So be aware of that and practice situational awareness. It's so easy, and it can be fun if you do it. You know, learn what to look for. And if you have to, there are books that will probably tell you this stuff, but you can look around and just try sizing people up. Look and see what they look like. See who, if you get on a bus or say you come into a restaurant, it's not very crowded, it's pretty small, you glance around the room, you try and determine who do you think would be the biggest threat possibly. Who would be the person to first keep an eye on if something were to happen, good or bad? If someone comes in with a gun to rob the place, who do you think you could count on? Who do you think would be somebody who would jump in with you and try and stop it if you were so inclined? You know, and you think about this. It's like the hijackers on some of the on the planes during the 9/11 attacks. Some of them decided they got together and they decided they were going to try and stop these guys before they crashed that plane in the field in Pennsylvania. And they probably saved a lot of lives, unfortunately, by having to give their own to do it. But they would have crashed that plane into a building that may have been way more populated 
than any any field in Pennsylvania where nobody else was hurt other than the people on the plane. <clears throat> so kind of look around, see who you can size up. Say, oh, if anything goes down, I'm gonna make eye contact with ta- eye contact with that guy and see if he'll get up and help me. And to add one other thing, it doesn't sure. matter where you are, whether, like you said, restaurant, uh, it can be church, it can be yeah. any place. That's right. We've had attacks almost anywhere, restaurants, churches, schools, anywhere you go. Size everybody up. Look around. Make sure you know where the exits are. Fight or flight. You don't have to fight. You can run. You know, run away, live to fight another day. <laughs> now, you know, especially if it's... And, and call the cops on the way. That's right. You can always get call for backup. Absolutely. If there's something going down, call for backup. That should be your number one thing to do if you have the time and opportunity. But, okay, but that's something to just be aware of and something everybody should learn and practice. Now, I think this was last week. I started in on this. Um, I want to finish this up because we had a... Uh, I was doing an article on uh, range safety etiquette or range uh, gun range etiquette, and I think I, I got up to number four. So number four was know what to is what is expected of you during a ceasefire. I think we got through that one. It's basically you want to clear your weapons, set it in front of you, keep your hands off any weapons, any ammo. Don't be loading magazines while there's a ceasefire. Keep your hands in plain view so the range safety officer can check everybody's weapon and everybody's station. There's some reason for a ceasefire. Whether you know what it is or not, they may be checking for something. Somebody could have been acting, acting out. And if you see somebody not doing, not following instructions, not doing what they're told, that's probably why there's a ceasefire. And I would definitely not turn my back on that person. Everybody else who clears, steps back, you clear your weapon, you pull, pull the mag out, clear the weapon, set it on the table or the bench in front of you, and step a few steps back so they know you won't be lunging for your gun anytime if, if, if they come to inspect. Follow the rain safety officer's rules. That's always the case. Okay, so be aware of that. Now, the fifth one, respect the range equipment. Don't shoot at the target hangers. Don't try and shoot the walls and do a ricochet shot into your target. I mean, this is just it's disrespectful for one, and it causes damage, which everybody ends up paying for. And it's just, you know, if they have wooden beams or ballast and the lights and stuff. Now, granted, it happens sometimes, you know, <clears throat> but intentionally, don't shoot the lights out in a range. Now, granted, I have shot and killed a fluorescent light in a range. We were shooting at uh, steel plates, and one fragment of the bullet went straight up, even though the plates were angled down a little bit, and it went straight up and popped one of the fluorescent lights. Of course, they knew it wasn't my fault because we were shooting steel at an indoor range. (laughs) So, you know, all the shrapnel remained forward, though, so it wasn't of, of danger to anybody. But still, don't deliberately destroy range property. That's just stupid. I mean, yeah, sure, you can test your skill on something else. Don't do that. Don't shoot the the target holder. Don't shoot the lights. Don't shoot the walls. Don't shoot any wooden beams that are holding up things and hold targets up. Respect the property and the equipment of the range because it's there for everybody to enjoy. And most places, if they see you doing this, they will charge you for it. And it is not a light charge either. If you shoot a target hanger, that could be several hundred dollars worth of damage you cause to that. Now, granted, most of these target hangers have distance between them and the targets like a lot of places use like a cardboard cutout that hangs the target anywhere from 12 to 18 inches below the range the target holder the metal target holder so the chance of you hitting it is a lot less 
Now, granted, if you're making headshots and you're attached right up to the target holder, now, granted, most of them are meant to take a hit, but if you see you're shooting off, make a correction. Try and fix it. Don't deliberately keep shooting trying to destroy the target carrier. It's just stupid, and it's not nice. Here's another thing. Okay, number six, don't interrupt other shooters. Some people are there with a purpose in mind, you know, and if if you disturb some people, they're not prepared for it. You know, they're they're kind of in the zone. You disturb them, they may turn around quickly. You, they may point a gun at you by accident. You know, they may flag you if they're not completely familiar with safety rules. Now, granted, if you can get somebody's attention, flag them down, wave a finger at them or something. If the if there's no range safety officer there and you need help. You can set your weapon down, walk outside, ask one of the people at the range to help you. Or if you're shooting with somebody, then, of course, you can ask them. That's probably why they're there. Or if you step back and look around a little bit, if someone makes eye contact with you, you can kind of point or see if they'll be willing to answer a question for you. That's fine. But don't just walk up, start tapping people on the shoulder to talk to them. You know, unless there's a matter that they need to know about, if they're shooting something that's that's a danger to anybody else, then you need to stop them right away. Whether, you know, if you see a malfunction, if you see him turning the gun around, facing it behind the downrange, facing it the opposite direction, <clears throat> then, of course, get their attention immediately and help them to make them stop or get somebody to pay attention to them and make them stop. Other than that, you don't want to bother anybody. People are concentrating. They're focused on what they're doing. <clears throat> Me personally, I don't mind if somebody disturbs me to ask a question if they don't know because I was a range safety officer for a long time, and that's kind of you get into that mode. You can help people out and avoid possibly a dangerous situation. So that's something you can help do. If, if you're there, if you can help people, by all means, be aware of the guy standing there looking at his gun or looking around like he's lost and step over and help him. Okay. <clears throat> that was number six. And like I say, if there's danger, though, stop the shooter immediately if you possibly can or get somebody's immediate attention there because then you want to stop that shooter from causing any danger to himself, others, or damage to the range. All right, we're going to be back. i got a few more of these rules. We'll cover these in a few minutes. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Do you love classic and special interest cars? If so, listen to our podcast every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on America's Web Radio, or find us on your favorite podcast site, iTunes, Spotify, or any of the others out there. We'll talk about classic cars. We'll talk to car guys. We'll talk to clubs that are here at our facility here in Classic Auto Mall, and we'll also talk about Classic Auto Mall and how we can help you sell your classic or special interest car. So give us a listen every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Thanks. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. <clears throat> right before we left for the break, we were talking about interrupting other shooters at the range. That's a no-no. Try not to do that. 
don't bother anybody. They're there focusing, concentrating, doing whatever drill they want to do. If you have to get their attention, if they're doing something dangerous, then do it as quickly and easily as possible without shocking or scaring anybody into doing something more stupid. Okay. Number seven, know what firearms are allowed on the range. This also applies to ammo. Know what what firearms and ammo is allowed on the range and the types of shooting. Each range has their own rules. There are a lot of them I've seen. You know, like 50-foot ranges don't allow high-powered rifles because a concussion would be a lot. Most indoor, almost no indoor ranges are going to allow anything over a certain caliber. Like, you're not going to be able to fire your 50 caliber in an indoor range because a concussion alone would probably knock out every light bulb there is there. <clears throat> not, not to mention cause internal shock to everybody in the range at the same time. Be aware of what you're shooting. You know, something too powerful, too heavy. Uh, too close to proximity. There's going to be different ranges that have different rules. Also be aware of um, firing sequences. Some ranges have limitations on how fast they want you to fire uh, fire rounds off. Other ranges don't care as much. Now, outdoor ranges have a lot less restrictions on what they allow normally. Like, uh, most indoor ranges do not allow shotguns with anything other than slugs or possibly buckshot. Some don't allow anything but slugs. So you're not going to be shooting birdshot in an indoor range because it spreads too much. It'll cause damage to the walls, the ceilings. It'll cause damage to the target carriers. Just It's not allowed. And most places will charge you for these if they find you violating their rules. They will charge you an exorbitant amount of money so you don't do it again. So be careful and know what you're doing. Now... Some ranges, like I say, have restrictions on firing. They don't want to see you empty a magazine in four seconds. You know, that's not what they want to see. They want to see slow, continuous firing. They consider it safer. Other places will allow you to draw from a holster, make double taps, you know, on targets and things like that, and able to practice at a little higher level. But find out before you start shooting. If you want to do that, find out if they have an issue with it. Or if they have restrictions, find out what you can do. You know, double taps, but we don't want you doing more than two shots fast in succession. That could be a rule. I don't know. That's what I say. If you have your own range, that's the absolute best thing. But unfortunately, not everybody has their own range. So, <clears throat> And also types of ammo. Um, be really careful, especially with surplus ammo. I found a lot of these can have steel cores or even be armor-piercing in nature. And you don't want to shoot those at most ranges that have steel steel target traps. Because then you can pop holes in their in their steel trap with an armor-piercing round. Now, granted, most of the smaller rounds won't be pierced by the ammo, but still, a lot of them can be. So don't destroy. This is again, don't destroy the the range equipment. And if you don't know, you can always ask the range officers or the people who are assigning you the lane. Say, I have this ammo. I don't know anything about it. Could you look at it and tell me if it would be allowed or not? And if they can identify it as something they don't want there, they will tell you. <coughs> I said, it was a time I was shooting a thirty out six at an indoor range, twenty five yards, just to get it on the paper. And the guy asked me. I told I was telling him before I've got a good deal on some surplus ammo. He goes, "Oh, do you have any of it?" I said, "Sure." So he looks it over and he says, "Oh yeah, this is fine." He goes, "We just look for the black tips." I go, "Oh, the armor piercing." He goes, "Yes." I go, "I left those at home." He goes, "Good man." So you know, I knew what they were, and I knew that I was not going to shoot them at the indoor range. Besides, the armor-piercing stuff's a little more rare. You kind of want to hold on to that if you can get it. <clears throat> so it's kind of neat. But, yeah, be aware of the type of ammo you're shooting. A lot of times, you know, high-powered rifles in particular, you got to be careful if you're shooting anything with, you know, 
a steel core or any kind of centered or no, you don't want to shoot tracer ammo at an indoor range because you don't want the manganese burning into the back. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> but also, you know, you don't want to set anything on fire. And now be aware of that even in an outdoor range, especially over a really long distance. You don't want to shoot tracers if there's a lot of dry brush around, if you don't have a clear shot to your target. Anywhere where you could possibly set something on fire, don't do it. I mean, I've got tracer ammo, and I know if I'm not shooting it somewhere where I can see every inch of that range all the way down and could get to it quickly if something did catch on fire, you don't shoot it. And sure, it's fun to shoot at night with the tracer ammo, no doubt about it. But don't do it anywhere where you can possibly destroy property or start a fire. Smokey the Bear would not like that. Okay. Number eight, if you aren't a range safety officer, don't behave like one. You know, I mean, it's fine to help somebody if they ask for your help or assistance. <clears throat> and if you see something that's dangerous or going on, if there's an range safety officer there, notify them. Go out, notify the staff, whatever, if somebody's doing something dangerous. But experience levels are going to vary. Some people learn to do things differently. Not everybody wants your unwanted advice. <clears throat> If they ask you or say, can you watch me and see what I'm doing wrong? By all means, if you want to be helpful, do whatever you can do. I'm always willing to help other shooters if I see them, if they ask me, if I'm with somebody. I don't just walk up to strangers, though, and tell them, oh, if you did this, you'd be better. Don't don't offer unwanted advice. Everybody has their own way of doing things, their own methods, <clears throat> their own restrictions they put on themselves as to how they want to do things. I remember I was... I was an acting range safety officer to range, and a gentleman comes in with his AR-15 and he wants to shoot it. He doesn't quite know how to load it, how to rack the action back and everything, so I go up there and I'm looking at the gun, and the first thing I notice, it's a flat top receiver, and it has no scope on it. It has no sights on it. It has no red dot. <laughs> so I'm going, <laughs> how is he going to, you can't aim this weapon. <clears throat> And I, I mentioned this to him. I didn't tell him he couldn't shoot it because there's no rule against it. I was just telling him, you know, get your eye down as close as you can to the top. See if you can put it on the paper. But be careful. Aim lower than you think. I don't want you hitting anything you're not supposed to hit. But he just wanted to get out there and fire it just to make sure, like a function check, I guess. He wanted to shoot at some just to make sure it worked. And he actually got it on the paper and did okay. But it was it was kind of funny to walk up to a guy with no sights on his rifle trying to get ready to shoot it, and he had no idea how to function it. Now, I helped him. I showed him how to load it, how to unload it. And uh, then I stood back and I watched checked everybody else again, watched him intently because I knew he was new, he was inexperienced at this, and I didn't want him to have any accidents or do anything wrong. But, you know, always you could be aware of that. You know, things like that happen sometimes. You can't tell them, you know, don't try and be, a, don't give advice that's unwanted. If somebody asks you, by all means, if you want to help, do it. So, usually, if there's a range safety officer there and you see something going on, that you realize, oh, that's very inexperienced, that's not safe, get the range safety officer involved as soon as possible. Don't wait and say, well, let me see if he shoots somebody before I tell the range safety officer that he's waving a loaded gun around. <clears throat> so that's something to do. But just be aware of that. I mean, you know, if somebody's asking, that's fine. Or if you, if you see somebody flag you over or ask you for help, or, you know, some people will do that. But again, don't ask somebody for help if they're intently concentrating on their aiming and working on sh shooting their way. Wait till they stop. If they stop, put the gun down and kind of look around. Then you can 
go up to him, maybe talk to him, find out something. But you'll see different people doing different things, and you know if that guy would just hold his finger differently on the trigger, if he would just ride his hands a little higher up on the back of that grip. You know, you know all these things would help them, but they're not asking, so don't tell them. Number nine, give space to other shooters. If you're standing there, shoot. If you're not shooting and you're just observing a friend of yours or something, don't stand right behind other people and gawk at them because oh, I want to see what they're shooting. Don't get right up on them. Nobody wants somebody breathing down their neck while they're trying to shoot, especially when they don't know them. You know. Now, if you are with somebody and they ask you to, you know, you go in there, you show them what you need to show them, you help them with grips and everything. But if you don't know them, don't go up and get right behind them and start watching. You know, stand a distance away. Give these people some space. <clears throat> Don't get in the way. And also, another thing I might add to this is when you're shooting, only shoot your own targets. Don't shoot somebody else's targets. Although I've had that done to me before, and it was rather frustrating. I was sighting in this pistol, and I kept getting all these errant shots on it, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. Turns out my buddy next to me was deciding to take a few pops at my target just to throw me off a little bit. <laughs> so, you know, depends on who your friends are as how that's going to go. Yep. Okay, number 10. If it's not yours, don't touch it, you know? If you see a new gun, don't just walk over and pick it up and touch it. If you ask or if they're between shooting and you see it and you admire it, you can tell, oh, that's really neat. I've never seen one of those. If the guy's a friendly guy, he's going to say, oh, you want to hold it? You want to shoot it? Most people will be more than glad to show off their guns. I mean, you know, that's like it's like barbecue etiquette 101. You always show off your new gun, your new toy, your new motorcycle, whatever it is. You always want to show that off. <clears throat> And if somebody has it, you might look at it from a distance, but don't crowd them. Don't get right up behind their shoulder and try and look over their shoulder to see what they're shooting. You know, again, give them some space. You know, if you can get their attention when they look up or when they're done shooting, you can give them a thumbs up or, you know, ask them if you can take a look at it. The old point and point to your eyes like, hey, can I take a look at that? And most people are going to be so proud of what they've got, they will be more than likely to let you come over, handle it, touch it, fondle it, whatever. You know, it's not like it's their wife. It's just their gun because you can share guns with other people with no problems. Wife, girlfriend, not so much. But, uh, yeah, it's just it's just common courtesy. I mean, it's like, you know, when you go to a car show, you don't touch all the cars, you know. In fact, the best one I saw was a sign on a car that said, don't touch me. I'm not that kind of car. <laughs> so be aware of that. And most, like I say, most people are friendly. They will usually allow you to do this. Now, if you do pick up someone else's weapon, if they offer to let you hold it, it's not an excuse to not give it a safety check. Pull the action back. Check the the action make sure there's no round in it before you start handling it you know now granted you probably don't even want to dry fire someone else's weapon unless they say oh hey here feel the trigger on this thing it's great you know very light all right last thing i think it is let's see if we got this uh gotta go here now we're gonna finish that later okay that's all the time we have today to cover this we'll come back and cover up the rest of this uh range safety stuff Thanks for listening. I am Roger B. This has been Locked and Loaded, and you've been listening to America's Web Radio. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.